We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies EdTech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where I help you stop putting out fires and start leading. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can follow me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. weeks ago, a friend and mastermind member posted this on Twitter. He said, in the fall, I decided to join a mastermind group with Jethro. To be honest, I was skeptical of what a mastermind group would benefit me as a leader. Now I can't imagine a week without the support and learning I've gained from the crew. Grateful to be part of the family that forces me to be open and honest about my leadership and receive feedback to grow on. I hear people say all the time that they are skeptical of what a mastermind group can do. I get it. It took me a long time to join a mastermind group for myself. But when you are feeling lonely, like an imposter, or not up to the monumental task of shaping the lives of a thousand young people, it makes a difference being able to join a group of people who know how you feel and know how to help you. So I'd love to have you join us. Go to jethrojones.com mastermind. And let's schedule a time to talk about how the mastermind could help you. That's jethrojones.com slash mastermind. Welcome to Transformative Principle. I am super excited for today's guests, plural, because we have two students and a district administrator. And first, I just want to jump right in and introduce Deja Merrick and Deontay Torres from Wisconsin. And Deja, would you like to say hello and tell us just a little bit about yourself? Hi, so I'm a senior over here in Wisconsin at um, a project-based learning school called DACI. I really enjoy art. I am currently working part-time at a FedEx ground location. 
Um, I'm in the process of moving out, starting my adult life. And I'm also doing a podcast with Deontay. So that's going to be really cool and really exciting when we get that rolling. Yeah, we'll we'll talk a little bit about that. Thank you, Deja. Happy to have you here. And Deontay, welcome. Uh, please tell us a little bit about yourself, too. How you doing? I'm Deontay, as he said before. I'm currently a senior as well, 17 years of age. And I am also one half of the team perspective, as Deja stated before. And really happy to be here and excited to have this conversation. Well, I'm excited to talk with you both because we, Deidre and I talked before about project-based learning, student-driven learning, and things like that. And this is something that I'm super passionate about and love talking to people about. So tell us about this project-based learning school and what it means, how you got into it, and what that, what that means for your education. And Deontay, we'll start with you this time. Well, getting into it, I attended West Dallas Central, another high school in our area, and things were going pretty well, but I felt as if something was missing and I was searching for something different and something new, a new experience, so to say. And my counselor, he told me about uh, Docky, and I thought it was a pretty cool idea, but I didn't really understand it completely until I had my interview and I was accepted into the school. And that's how I got introduced and started with Docky. And the experience has been great from the first day and beyond. It allows me to be sort of a teacher as well as a student in the same capacity. I, I'm allowed to be creative as well as independent, which allows me to prepare myself for the next chapters of my life, if, if that makes sense. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about that. What does that mean to be creative and to be the teacher as well? With project-based learning, you you really get to base your curriculum around something that you're really passionate about. So, for example, I love the idea of podcasting and communicating with other people. And here, I'm able to do that as well as learn the curriculum curriculum that a normal student would at a normal high school. So, we just, for example, like we would implement the same standards and um, lesson plans that a normal child would have, but it would be infused with my podcast. So I'm learning these new talents as well as the same curriculum. And I'm teaching myself these things as well as getting help from experts as well. Well, so podcasting is one area where you're interested in, um, but what other projects have you done at the school besides podcasting? Um, I've helped out with um, our aquaponics lab, which is where we um, take fish waste and then we turn that into plant food through many different steps. And through that, we learn mathematics as well as public speaking. So that's another project that I've been involved with personally, really hands-on with that allows me to like build as well as learn at the same time. If that, if that, like, if that really makes sense, like I'm, a, I'm able to create and learn, which isn't something that I've experienced before. And that's really the difference in the key. Yeah, that, that's really good. Able to create and learn. I like that. So Deja, can you talk a little bit about your experience at the school, some of the projects that you've been in, involved in as well? Yeah, so um, let's see, last year was my junior year and it was my first year at Daki. So I had just made the transition from a traditional school setting to um, something that's a little bit more individualized and personalized. And 
I'm not even going to lie. Being, you know, being, I guess you could say trained. I don't know what the word I'm looking for is right now, but growing up and, you know, learning in school in the same type of like formatted setting, you know, it all has the same structure. You know, you go to math class, you learn about math, you do the worksheet, you take the test. Um, That just, it really didn't work for me. I needed that one-on-one. I needed that personalization and I needed to be doing things I really cared about. Um, And so last year I had taken, it was a quarter long project. So um, over here, quarter is three months of a school year. And I took three months and I designed my own t-shirt for an all girls English class that I was a part of. And um, in that English class, we went and volunteered a lot throughout in the community and um, kind of reflected on those things and did stuff like that that involved, you know, English skills, but we were really getting out in the community in that particular class. And we wanted t-shirts to wear when we go out. So I had another class called Design Lab. And what we did was, you know, came up with any art project, anything artsy that we wanted to do and really got deep into it and made it amazing and something that we really can be proud of. And so I had designed my own t-shirt. I drew out the whole symbol. Um, It was like a, a dripping heart. And I put a quote into it. And it was something like, I'm going to make the most beautiful life for myself, no matter what it takes. And we had all collaborated and was like, you know, talking about what what kind of stuff we'd want to put on the t-shirt and whatnot. And um, when the t-shirts were all done, I made 13 of them. And it was a really long process because I was learning how to, you know, use the the Cricut machine that we have here at Docky. And it like cuts out different, you know, symbols and designs for you. I had to, you know, teach myself how to use that machine. I had to teach myself how to use the MacBook computer to even draw out this design. I had to teach myself how to lay the the vinyl onto a t-shirt. And then I had to learn how to make an item of clothing that everyone in that group was going to like. And although it was just an art project, it was really cool and it was really engaging because there was more than just me that was proud of it. And it took really long. And I had the opportunity to sit down and teach myself how to use different tools within the classroom that I wasn't familiar with. And so I feel that was probably one of the best projects I did last year because I learned so much and I got a feel for what project-based learning really is. Because, you know, I can tell someone, hey, for my art class, I made my own t-shirts for, you know, another class I was in. And they can say, oh yeah, that's really cool. And it doesn't sound like it took so much effort to do that thing but in reality it, there were so many steps to it and you know there's collaboration that's involved and there's the learning of those tools and trial and error and you know all that stuff that ties into it and so that's one of the projects that I've done um, here at Daki other than podcasting which I think is really cool. Yeah that's really great and what I love about that story is that you talked about all the things that you had to learn to be able to accomplish a specific task. And all those things were not necessarily traditional 
subjects that we teach or learn in school. And just a, a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, I interviewed a woman named Chloe Sutterfield who has cerebral palsy, but still plays soccer, goes skiing, makes music, and is also very creative. And one of the things that she said was that we need to slow down education and not be so rushed to get through all the content. And it sounds like that's what's happening at your school, that there are a bunch of other things and that you learned through that process, but it took you a lot of time and that effort sounds like that was a really important part of it to you. Is that a fair understanding, Deja? Yeah, because, you know, it wasn't just me saying, oh, I want to make a t-shirt. Let's do it today. It was, I want to make a t-shirt. How can I make a t-shirt, you know? And that's a skill that I can take with me for the rest, the rest of my life. And although it was just for, you know, an art class, I can then, you know, in my 20s or something, decide, hey, I want to start a small business and sell custom t-shirts. Well, now I know how to do that, you know, because I had the opportunity to exactly what you said, slow down, learn the process and come up with something that's awesome that I'm super proud of. Yeah, Deontay, can you chime in a little bit about your experience with the speed of what you're learning at your school now and how that looks for you? For me personally, I feel as if the speed is is exactly what I need. But I felt as if I wasn't challenging myself or putting into positions where I could get the most out of my, my uh, ability. And here, me doing things that I'm not used to doing, such as the aquaponics that I uh, talked about before, me going and teaching these things to younger children at other schools, as well as being a part of a building process, a process and assembling our grow beds and things of that nature. I'm learning new things and it's allowing me to work faster and learn things faster. And I'm able to comprehend and apply these things into normal day life. And I feel like this, that's what the speed brings. It, it brings the ability to comprehend and learn things at a enormous rate that I wasn't able to do before because I felt as if I wasn't being challenged and these challenges are allowing me to take that on and, and actually be proud of these things and really like really want to push through and strive to be great at what I do. That's one thing that I've seen a lot Deontay where it seems like as Deja said the process takes a long time but how much you learn during that time is really amazing because you learn so much more than you would have if you were just taught that in a direct, here's how you make a podcast, here's how you do aquaponics and step-by-step step, when you have to figure things out, you learn so much more than just what that end goal is. And it may seem like a longer process, but I promise you like regular schooling, sitting through a, a history class or an English class seems like an eternity in here. Like you said, the, and like like you and Deja stated before, these processes do take time because it's step after step after step. But you don't really notice the time because you're actually learning things that you want to learn in a way that is different, new, and refreshing. Yeah, boy, that's that's fantastic, Deontay. I couldn't have said that better. So I one of the things that I do is I go out and I help schools implement this kind of student-driven stuff. And so sometimes teachers are like, well, I can't do it because whatever. And they have a bunch of reasons why they can't do this kind of learning. And so Deja and Deontay, if you'd each take a turn and say, what would your advice be to a teacher who is presented with this 
and how can they how can they get on board with it themselves? What what kinds of things would you want them to hear from you as students? One thing I would like them to know and just keep in mind is that time is never stagnant and it keeps going. And the world is changing around us. And that sometimes means that means that we need to change as well and for the better, I hope. And this is one way that we can possibly do that. And not saying that it has to work for everyone, not saying it will work for everyone, but just taking a shot at it and not shutting it down as soon as it hits your front doorstep. I think this allows children to prepare for their future and build skills that are necessary in everyday life, which I can attest to. So just giving it a chance and trying it out. And I was I would challenge them to do something themselves first, to try to create a project themselves around a curriculum or a certain learning target and see how they like it or see how it brings the joy back into them and then try to pass that down to their students. Yeah, beautifully said. I'm not doing anything. There's no way that I'm going to feel better if I keep doing that thing. And so it's the same way with like a school setting, you know, um, you don't have to have the resources. You don't have to have a, a ton of funding to do this. You know, all you need to do is have that intention, have that intention of individualized learning. And one thing that works really well for us here at Daki is treating the students like the young adult that they are. Because most of us here at Daki have very unconventional at home and personal life situations in general. And so for us to be able to come into school and be held accountable with everything that we need to get done within the day, that really helps keep the process going because that's when the ideas flow. Say you're a teacher and you're not really sure because you don't have any ideas for this project-based learning style. Well, the students will take care of that for you. You know, it's really just about as long as you have the intention to create a better experience for kids, that's really all you need to be able to, you know, get started with this type of learning. And Deontay, this is um, Mrs. Raymer again. And just to follow up on that. So when you guys first started doing some of the project-based learning work here, we didn't start with a full-blown aquaponics lab with tilapia. Right. So, yeah, we didn't start there. That's kind of what it's evolved into. And it's evolved really quickly based on kids super inspired to go out and do interesting things in our community. But it started with things that were much, much smaller. So specifically with aquaponics, just the rehab of our area and making it into a space in which where we can actually work. Our aquaponics lab actually used to be a boys locker room. And we transformed that into what it is today, but it took, it took those steps after tearing it down and then creating a design plan in which we can get the most out of our space and making it run efficiently and allowing professionals to come in and wire the building and then us doing the math to calculate how much fish food we need for the amount of fish that we have. And then us doing the calculations for our, our chemicals such as ammonia and then doing our pH balance test on our water before we can even get any plants into the water. There's so many things that come with it that people don't get to see and that we're in the behind the scenes doing. But I really believe that's the, the really inspiring part that people can really get behind. Knowing stories like that, that 
if you come and visit our school one day and see that we have plants growing in a old boys locker room, you're going to be inspired and really want to know how it transformed into the way. And then we had some students who are successful really at school, no matter what we throw at them in the course of school and listening to six of our schools out of our 17 schools be represented in that, in those meetings. And every single one of those learners on short notice, just like today's podcast on short notice to be able to articulate what they own about their work, what they do, what we do. I'm going to get really honest here. So for me in a traditional school setting, I was not the responsible kid and I was not holding myself accountable and I was not taking care of what I needed to take care of. And, you know, I have my own reasons and there's no excuse for me, you know, slacking off my first two years of high school. But when I came to Daki, I had like, it was almost like a rebirth, you know, I had the sense of a fresh start, but also I felt as though there was a genuine care for what I want for myself. And I think that being able to stay true to yourself throughout high school and what you do on a daily basis and how you spend your time, especially on school projects, that affects how you view your um, view yourself as well and how you present yourself into the world. Because if I'm just doing a bunch of things that I'm not interested in, but I have to do because I'm required or I need to pass that class or whatever, I'm not, I'm not going to sit there and talk about it. I'm not going to be proud of that, you know, and therefore I'm not going to perform as well as a student. And so I feel that coming to Daki, my entire life has been affected because the, the structure in my school specifically is own it. That's what we say all the time, own it. If you aren't having a good day and you don't feel like doing anything, own that. And if you did an awesome project and you spent so much time on it and you're really proud of it, own that too, you know? And so it's, it's very beneficial for, you know, just lifestyle in general. Yeah. For me, the traditional school setting, it didn't motivate me. It wasn't just regurgitated information that I felt. It was fresh air. Like Deja said, it was a rebirth. It really, it really truly was. And I'm so grateful for the opportunity to even come to a school like this. Boy, that is uh, great advice, Deja. Thank you. And thank you to you, Deontay, also. Um, you are in charge of your own education from the day that you're born because you're the only one who can control that. And so, you know, you may have other experiences that lead you to where, Deja, you were saying you may not have made the best choices earlier in high school. I know that was certainly the case with me to get into college. I had to have a 2.50 or higher. And I ended up with like a 2.52 when I graduated from high school because I wasn't making good choices. And now here I am having been a very successful principal. And I, I just learned the value of that later on in life than, uh, than some other people did. And what I think is so powerful about what both of you are saying is that when you recognize for yourself that it's on you and the school supports you in recognizing that it's really on you, then you rise to the challenge. 
And I think most people probably do that, especially kids when they're given the opportunity, they do rise to the challenge. So um, I, I appreciate you both being on here and thank you so much for your time. This has been really great chatting with you. And as a reminder, their podcast is called The Teen Perspective. Definitely something you should uh, share with your youth to understand, to listen and understand what other kids are saying about things. And when that comes out, make sure you let me know and I'll make sure that I put it out there and share it with my colleagues and contacts so that they can share that as well. I'm looking forward to seeing what that looks like and sounds like. Thank you both. And of course, if you want to stay on while uh, Ms. Raymer and I talk, then you can. Otherwise, you're you're welcome to log off. But we're going to now turn to the more adult side of this conversation. We heard some great stuff already. But uh, Deidre, this is these kids are amazing. How cool is this that we get to to know them and hear their powerful words? It's awesome. John Cat Educational supports high-quality teaching and learning by providing publications that are research-based, practical, and focused on the key topics proven essential in today's and tomorrow's schools. The latest John Cat publications include a book whose bold, transformative ideas amaze and infuriate people around the world, according to one reviewer, a title from Global Leaders in Curriculum Planning, Practice, and Retrieval, one book that says stop talking and start doing with regard to teacher well-being, and much more. These books, used by educators of all roles across North America and worldwide, amplify fresh, engaging voices with practical strategies to create transformative change. Learn more in our show notes at jethrojones.com slash podcast. Yeah. Um, and thank you, Deontay and Deja as well. And we're super proud of not just these two students. They're certainly doing an amazing, amazing job in our schools, but we have tons of learners who are starting to be able to speak about their work in similar ways. And that's the piece I think, you know, the opportunity to get there for all kids has been super amazing for us. And recently we had several of our students attend our state of the schools meetings. So that's when we go out to our broader community and share about what's going on with our finances and how are things going with teaching and learning and what are some new community projects we might be involved in. Um, And this last couple of years, we've brought students to that. And this year in particular, I noticed this huge shift in the fact that the group that teachers chose to bring to represent our work was very diverse. We had students from all different grades. We had some learners that are identified as students with disabilities. We had some students who were identified as struggling in school until they found their pathway. And then we had some students who are successful really at school, no matter what we throw at them in the course of school. And listening to six of our schools out of our 17 schools be represented in that in those meetings and every single one of those learners on short notice just like today's podcast on short notice to be able to articulate what they own about their work what they're working on that they're proud of has been just awe-inspiring um, and that's why we do what we do every day in the West Dallas West Milwaukee School District. Yeah. And what I love about what you said there is that it's, it's them being able to articulate what 
their understanding about their work. And as a English teacher who didn't understand much how to be a very good teacher to begin with, I would give us, you know, assignments back to kids and they would look at the score and then trash it. And I felt like any feedback I was giving them was wasted and it wasn't worthwhile. And having been a student myself like that, I did the exact same thing. <laughs> and, and so it's not too surprising that they would do that. But what I noticed was when I started having things that actually mattered to them as the work we were doing in our class, they stopped caring about the scores themselves and started caring more about the things that we were doing. They started caring more about the content rather than about just their final grade. Yeah, we've certainly seen a huge shift in that. And for our school district, we're a large comprehensive system um, neighboring to Milwaukee in Wisconsin. And so we had a very traditional school system. We had a school system. We were doing some good work around personalized learning, but it was really in such small pockets. And it was especially hard to translate to secondary schools. So our middle schools and our high schools in particular. And What we found over the course of the last couple of years is that by focusing on this broad umbrella, we uh, center a lot of our work around the deeper learning competencies. They come out of the Hewlett Foundation, um, and they've got some known efficacy around the nation to have impact on outcomes for kids. And when I say outcomes, it's not, not necessarily just how they score on standardized tests and things like that, but it's the way our learners can articulate what they've learned and how much independence are they seeing in that in that process? And so for us, aligning our work to the deeper learning competencies, when we look at the national graduation rates from college in four years and the amount of you know skills that employers are telling us students are lacking coming out of school made a ton of sense. Their communication, collaboration, problem solving, their content mastery, because kids do have to know how to do things that go beyond a Google search. Um, but they're also being self-directed. So what does it mean to take ownership of the process of my learning and have my mark on what I've left behind when I leave high school? And then the last one that's been hugely important to us is the academic mindset. So how do we create that sense of belonging in every single classroom so that students feel included, they feel a part of that situation, And then they want to work hard. They're willing to share with you when they're struggling with something. They're willing to share with you when they're successful. Kind of like uh, Deja was saying, the philosophy at this particular school is own it. But we have different philosophies that guide kind of that same process at our different school sites. So for us to have that umbrella and then for school sites to really do a lot of work around creating a vision and aligning resources to that vision to grow into what those competencies are going to look like at that site has been important to us. Here at Dackey, it became flipping from what used to be an alternative high school where kids would go after they failed multiple times in other school settings to a project-based learning high school where it's really starting to become our students who need that work and, and are thriving in that work all the time every day while the rest of our schools are getting there. We're doing this work more and more, whether it's through a project-based learning lens or a UDL lens or a personalized learning lens, the teachers and the school sites get to decide that part of it because they know the community of learners that they're trying to serve. 
Yeah. So let's talk about that difference between the, the schools. There's 17 schools and for businesses and schools to be successful, there's lots of research around having a common vision and a common goal, but it sounds like you have different schools doing different things and using whatever works for their community. How do you reconcile those two different things and what does it look like in practice in your district? Uh, That's a great question. So it's all framed within our strategic plan. And so we had a strategic plan for the first time as a school district when our superintendent was new um, and Dr. Marty Laxman, who's amazing and has done just incredible work for our schools and our community. Um, But he brought in that idea of strategic planning. And so therefore, that is what houses our annual goals that we are meeting as an organization, as all of the schools combined. It houses our vision statement and our mission statement. It links to our equity belief statements and that guides the work, but it also clearly articulates where there are going to be things that are site-based decisions and where there are going to be things that are classroom-based decisions. We had a pretty top-down system before that. um, And now we affectionately call our system a collaborative leadership model because you're absolutely right. Without a common vision, we aren't going to get anywhere. We have all the buses trying to move next to each other um, when really we're trying to move one bus to create different opportunities for our learners each and every day to go out and live life on their own terms when they graduate, whatever that means to them. So it was important that we had a framework that grounds our work and unifies it. When we do district-wide professional development or when we're adopting a new core resource for a course, there's, there's guidance that keeps the work together and centered. But then it's we are in a people-centered, human-centered field. And so how could we possibly say from my office, here's how I think you should teach Deontay and here's how I think you should teach Deja that doesn't allow for the personalities of the students and the passions of the adults in that school to come through. And when we all feel invested and passionate in our work, we all know we do it better. And so we tried very hard to figure out where is that balance. So there are all kinds of things that are, here's the framework under which the school gets to make a decision But at the school site, here's what you get to decide. And here's how a classroom teacher will get to decide what's right for the learners that walk through their doors every day, who I don't know personally. So it would be foolish to think I could make the decisions on behalf of them. Yeah. And and yet that's what so many school systems do day in and day out. And you talked a little bit about the passion of the adults to make things work. And one of the things you mentioned before we started recording that you're Uh, the custodian at the school said two things that I found really fascinating. Number one, here's what I'm going to teach the kids next. And number two, is it okay that I added more insulation to the studio this weekend because the sound quality wasn't very good? I mean, those two things really bring out the real contribution that every single adult can make in a school when you have a, a system in place that enables and empowers them to do that. Yeah. And that is the beauty, I think, of the work is that our teachers are still the experts in their particular content. I mean, they went and got degrees in some of this, you know, for a reason. Likely it's because that's an area they were passionate about. They are still there to guide students in driving which standards meet which thing or how to adjust a writing sample that they've produced 
to actually meet the standards that an English language arts classroom would. In the process of that, though, it has allowed us to open up our work and our students to experience more opportunities to connect with experts. And here at DACI, Doug, the um, head maintenance engineer, I think is what we call him, um, but he has taken a ton of responsibility for ensuring that our learners have what they need. And in other schools, we have the parents of employees coming in to be expert gardeners as students are starting to build a community garden at their school site. Our hearing, our teacher that works with our students who have hearing impairments said to me casually one day, hey, I also do some bee farming, you know, a honey producing bee farm. Do you have any kids who might be interested in learning about that? And I thought, well, first of all, thank you for sharing that with me. I had no idea that's something you did when you left our doors every day. But wow, what an amazing opportunity for our learners to connect. And now, Deontay, that's actually how I met him, is he was on the team that um, pitched an idea to myself and our superintendent to fund a honey-producing bee farm in the middle of a city. And so they are working on that here at James D. Decky as well. And he didn't even bring that up. No, he didn't even talk about that one. I was yeah. a little surprised he didn't rent. I was going to ask him about it, but then I thought, no, he's really into the aquaponics lab right now. And there's some other kids right now that are doing the wiring for the humidity that you need to have inside a, a honeycomb. I don't even know if I'm calling that the mm -hmm. right thing, but, um, and they make videos of their progress all the time that you can check out on .com. But then there's other of our school sites where we're connecting our learners to outside experts. Last spring, when we all had to do emergency remote teaching from home, we flipped the script a bit and we thought we can't, you cannot do what you normally would have done, right? Even in project-based learning, we didn't have time to send home equipment and materials to kids. And we were all trying to figure out how to be this online institution all of a sudden. And so after we had done it for a few weeks and we were starting to lose a few of our learners and we were starting to see the fatigue in our families. And then I was watching online and our families are starting to post things on Twitter and Facebook about, oh, today I taught my son how to cook because we were home together all day. Or, hey, today my son decided to come with me out into our garden and figure out what we were working in on out there. And I thought there is something to this. Yes, our learners are figuring out things about the world right now that are so academic um, and they need to be driving what we're doing in school. So we flipped to a four-year-old kindergarten through 12th grade passion project. Um, and I had staff sending me their passion projects. Here's something I wanted you to know I'm really passionate about. And here's how I shared it with learners. And then many of those learners got to connect with outside experts. And I will never for my lifetime forget the look on the face of this young man at one of our elementary schools who was fascinated to learn about armor and how do you body armor and how you would protect yourself. And so the teacher had a friend of a friend of a friend who's in the military and this adult got on a Zoom call with a young learner and step-by-step step showed him exactly how he gets dressed to go out and be an active army sergeant and an active army participant and a soldier. And so this student who didn't have that visual of exactly what that would look like, now he has that. And he had this connection where he had to research a ton and ask questions. Well, why do you use that one instead of this one? And then he at home put on his plastic body armor and showed this expert how he could do the same thing. And 
the absolute pure joy you could see on that learner's face, hard to forget. And the, the beauty of that adult being able to help a kid understand something that they were interested in is amazing as well. And, and those kinds of opportunities are, are not to be seen as anything other than the amazing thing that they are. I mean, if you devalue that and think, oh, it doesn't really matter that our kids are doing this, you're really missing the point. What's so amazing is that they don't have to have a college level app education to be able to understand some of the things that they're trying to learn. And this is where I think in education, we make a lot of mistakes. We think, well, this kid can't learn that because they're not old enough yet. But the reality is that young man who was interested in body armor, he didn't need to be any older to understand how that would work because for the army sergeant, it may have been surface level knowledge, but for that kid, it was, it was deep knowledge that he was very interested in. And when you can bring people together to help them understand and see what's going on, it really is incredible. And it's very rewarding for the one who's sharing that knowledge and very rewarding for the one who's receiving that knowledge also. Yeah. I mean, and that's been, I think, the beauty of trying to connect some of the work that we're doing in schools to our broader community as well, like to the cities that we serve and to the experts within our communities. And how do we get everybody involved in the education of, of our young people, because, you know, as goofy as it is to say, like they are our future and we need them to be ready to take charge of some things when they leave high school. You know, we know the statistics on the employability rates of people in their early twenties. And we know the statistics on the graduation rates from college. Like I had said before, for those who choose college as their pathway, you know, the learners that we get to serve now, they're going to choose whole careers in their lifetime that we wouldn't have thought of when I was younger. I went into education. If I was a teacher, I might've been a teacher at one school district or another school district, but I didn't ever leave teaching and go be a lawyer. And I didn't, you know, adapt my entire career choice or create a job that hadn't ever existed before. And the learners we're serving now that is the life they're going to go out and lead. And so our job in schools became not only to make sure that they know how to do things and they can articulate their thoughts, but it also became how do they know how to be flexible and adaptable and know how to get feedback from others so that they're always ready to be the next best version of whatever they're ready to be and whatever they need to be in the world. And that is what we see in the work that we're doing around for us, the embedding of the deeper learning competencies, whether that's through project-based learning, whether that's through just shifting the practices in your classroom to be truly relationally driven and driven on the passions and interests of the students, even in a classroom that still has more traditional measures, our teachers have all made a shift to do some of those things in new ways. And you can see it in our learners. Yeah, absolutely. There's there's no doubt about that. And we just talked to two of them and that was was very clear. So the things that you're sharing, the things that you're doing are just amazing. I I'm just so excited about the work that you're doing because it it matters so much. And for kids to be able to know that they can learn how to learn new skills and do different things is only going to help them all throughout their career. So in closing, the last question I ask Deidre is, what is one thing that a principal can do this week to be a transformative principal? Um, That's a great question. And I would say that 
I think to be a transformative principal, it's to make sure that you know the learners that you're serving. And you could walk through the hallways of your school this week and ask every single one of the learners, or if you're in a super huge system, at least a few students in each classroom, what did you work on this week that you're proud of? And what's something you worked on this week where you got stuck and how did you get feedback? And it's when that's how I walk into each one of our school sites under normal times when I can float in and about. And those are questions I ask. And I've watched a change and a shift and the way every learner I approach can answer that question. And when our learners can't answer some of those questions, then it helps me to have some conversations with the teacher in that school or the principal in that school to say, hey, shouldn't kids be able to articulate something they were really proud of that they worked on this week? Of course they should. Okay, so we talked to a few learners who struggled to answer that question for us. What could we do next that provides them the opportunity to feel inspired or feel really proud of their work? And so to us, it doesn't always have to be big, enormous things. There are simple questions you can go around and ask. And let's make it our goal in the next three weeks that every learner in this school can articulate one thing they're really proud of that they made, produced, or created. And I don't care if that's a Google slideshow. I don't care if that's an aquaponics lab. I don't care if that's, you know, an essay. Whatever that is, that we should be able every week, if not every day, if not every hour, learners should be able to answer that question. What am I proud of? And what support am I going to go seek out for myself when I get stuck? And when our learners can start to answer those two questions, the rest of it comes along pretty quickly. And lots of our learners now, if you ask them those questions, can immediately show you a work product that they love. And they can also immediately tell you, I would go to my peers for feedback, and then I would ask my teacher. And so you know that they're not just going to get stuck and give up. They're going to get stuck and they're going to iterate and iterate and iterate until they get there. And that's really something that transforms everything around you in a simple way to start. Yeah, that's that's really fantastic advice. Juan, thank you so much for being part of this podcast. It was great. Uh, you and I originally connected on LinkedIn. Is that the best place for people to go find you? Um, sure, on LinkedIn, or I do write a blog about some of our work um, called Leverage Points. If you Google Deidre Raymer West Dallas, you'll come across that one. So either one of those, or you're welcome to follow me on Twitter um, at Deidre underscore Raymer. Um, and I'm on Twitter as well. And I share as much of the work that we're doing in each one of those places in West Dallas, West Milwaukee as I can, as we have grown into something amazing and beautiful. And we are happy to share kind of how we got this far as well as always looking for partners to help us take us to the next level. Um, So feel free to reach out and ask questions and answer questions right back for us. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll have links to leverage points and your Twitter Twitter handle, excuse me, on uh, in the show notes for this at jethrojones.com slash podcast, not to mention links to your strategic plan, the deeper learning competencies and uh, the kids podcast when they release it, which I'm really excited about. So once again, Deidre, thank you so much for being part of Transformative Principle today. Thanks for having me, Jethro. I really appreciate it. Hey, middle school principals. What if I told you that all your teachers had to do to teach your students really valuable social and emotional competencies was just 
press play. In Control SEL is a fully automated video curriculum that teachers and students absolutely love. And that's because it's easy. And it looks just like a Netflix or a YouTube show. So all you have to do to hear about how it can completely transform your school is schedule your call. Tell us Jethro sent you and you'll get 20% off if you feel like it's a good fit. So go now to www.incontrolsel.com slash strategy call to schedule your call today. The link will be in the show notes. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash B-E.